First Peter chapter two, and uh, actually, man, we just got into a few verses here today. I wanted to get into more, and it just didn't happen. And so, First um, Peter two. And so we've been looking at this whole plan of salvation. Essentially, as we've gone through chapter one, we've looked at a, a few different things. We've uh, we've looked at you know last week our our um, what did we look at last week? <laughs> it was for yeah. There was a title that's just eluded me right now. Anybody? It was about salvation. It had a P in it. The product, thank you. Karen, well done. If I had a candy here, I'd throw it to you. That would be a great treat. The product of salvation. There we go. That's what we looked at last week. But we've looked at, you know, the program of salvation and different things in chapter one. And so here today, we're continuing on to look at this work of salvation. Today, we're going to be looking at this purpose of salvation. And here's what we're going to be looking at here. We're going to see, well, again, you can see how I, I was hoping to get into a lot more. We just got into number one here, growth. Uh, and so that's our outline, growth. All right. But if we were to do what I wanted to, we would have talked about the purpose of salvation being in our service and that stability in the Lord. But today we're going to focus on growth here. And so it's good. Uh, we got to talk a lot about some, some neat things here. And what I'm going to do today is a little bit different than what I, I normally do because I'm going to kind of just put up our our text on the screen. I'm going to highlight a few things. And I love to do that just in my own study time. I kind of, you know, whatever message we're in, I like to print out the, the scriptures. I just like to, you know, write down, scribble and circle and underline things and kind of connect things. And so we're going to kind of do a little bit of that here today just for fun. It's not going to be what we normally do on a Sunday, but uh, today we're just going to have a little bit of, of fun with this here. So right there in in chapter 2, verse 1, we see Peter saying this, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now, whenever we see that word, therefore, just like we saw uh, last week in verse 13, Peter's using it as a transitional but a connecting statement. When you see that word, therefore, you ask yourself, what is it? Therefore. And so it always connects us to something that we just previously looked at. And Peter's doing that again here. In chapter 2, he says, therefore. So basically, we have to go, why is he saying that? What is he connecting us to in what we looked at previously? So when we look at what we saw previously, it, it, we can look at just those last few verses that we ended off with last week in the end of chapter 1, which says this. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not a corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever, because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass, the grass withers and as flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now, this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. So when we look at what Peter is addressing here at the end of chapter one, there's a few things that really stand out for us here that he's really been pointing us to as we looked at, again, that product of salvation. Well, first of all, that is to grow us in love. Love one another fervently, he says there. 
And then he says, listen, because you've been born again. And being born again hasn't come about just by your own effort, right? This isn't something that you produce in and through yourself where you just kind of say, well, you just got to be a good person, try harder, just try loving more. No, this is all something that comes about through what? Through the word of God right there, the word of God. And it's not of something that is corruptible, but it is an incorruptible seed. As we talked about that last week, a seed that you plant in the ground to grow a flower, to grow vegetables, a tree, whatever it might be. You just plant a little seed in the ground. But yet that seed has everything in it. It's contained all in that own DNA of the seed to produce something, you know, just incredible. Life out of that seed. And so too, the word of God has everything we need within it to produce in us this new life. A new life that is to be born again, that is to be walking, first of all, in, in love, one with another, all right? Loving one another fervently. So this is what Peter's talking about here. So as he takes us here now in back to our text here now, so that key word, therefore, is tying in some of these things where we're to, first of all, love one another. I'm going to write this down here. Love one another. So you can kind of see the connecting things here. Now, sorry about this. Two, what else is there? That word to be, Born again, we're born again, right? That's important here, because again, this isn't a work of ourselves that we're required to do. And three, this is hard with just a finger. My finger's not small enough to do this, okay? Basically, like getting a Bible study from a three-year-old here, okay? That's all right. We can work through this here. Again, this isn't going to be the regular thing. But this new life comes about, new life comes about how? Through the Word of God, okay? Everybody following that here with me? Through the word of God. So Peter now is going to be linking these things here. You're to love one another. You're to be born again. So he's going to talk about this here. He's going to talk about being newborn babes. That's the idea of being born again. New life is going to come through. Again, new life is going to come about through the word of God right there. So we're seeing all these things that Peter is linking us to. Therefore, since the things that we've looked at previously now is being tied to what we need to look at here today. We're to be those that are born again, new life. That demonstrates itself in the way we live. Because a new life now brings about with it new experiences. You're not to continue on with the old any longer, right? Now, I've got uh, a laptop. And it's an old laptop in terms of computer years. It's like eight years old, which I think you have to times it by seven, like with dog years. And so it's an old laptop in, in laptop terms, right? In computer terms. Now, it, I still love it. It's still great. It's still working for me most of the time. But if someone were to present with me or present to me a new laptop, right? I mean, let's just say somebody, let's just say the Lord put it on somebody's heart to <laughs> present with, you know, a, a new laptop for me, you know, that you just suddenly had this kind of a pity for the pastor and you wanted to bless them. I mean, you know, Hypothetically, but if the Lord was speaking to you today to bring a lot, so if I were to get a new laptop, I'm not going to say, oh, this is great, wonderful, thank you, and oh, this is great, and all of a sudden I pick up my old laptop and I start working on that. I'm going to be like, I'm going to put this old thing away, because something better, something newer has come. And with that new, we need to begin to put that to use, you see. And so Peter's talking about all these things. You've been born again here, right? You've been born again. 
not of corruptible seed, but by incorruptible seed to the word of God. And with that new life now, it's to bring about a change where we are to be loving one another. Now, what's one thing that's going to get in the way of us loving one another? Ourselves. Sin, right? These are the things that are going to get in the way of us doing these things. So Peter says, listen, and notice, he doesn't say, listen, if you by chance struggle with these things, right? Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, evil speaking. These are the things that are going to get in the way of us loving one another. Peter doesn't say, if these are perhaps an issue for you or a problem. No, he just says, listen, lay these things aside. Laying aside all of these things. That's what he's talking about here. Put away all these areas that were a mark of the old self, the old nature. He doesn't have to say, if you struggle with these things, Peter recognizes these are characteristics of the old self. And in fact, we see these terms coming up in the Bible elsewhere. Look at what Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31 says. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking, what did Paul say? Be put away from you with all malice. Don't, don't put it away in malice. He says, put it away along with malice, right? All these things, put it away. All through the Bible, we see these, this kind of terminology where you're to be laying off, taking off the old. It's like an old wardrobe, right? If you get new clothes, you're happy to discard some of those old clothes. Some of you wives are saying, oh, I'm still praying for my husband. I wish there were some clothes he would discard. I keep trying to bring the new. And he keeps, so, no, but when you get the, the new, the old gets discarded. And so our salvation is that kind of picture. Where some new comes, you, you take off the old and you put on the new. Uh, and you see the pictures of that all through, even when Joseph was in prison, right? And Joseph's released, it tells us that he, he, he washed, he put on his new clothes in a sense because there was new life coming here now. There's pictures all through the Old Testament of that. So we're to put on the new and to put on the new, we need to lay aside all the old. And so this is what Peter's talking about. New life has come. You've been born again. And so now lay aside all these things that are a mark of the old nature. We don't have to question and go, well, am I struggling with these? No, these are marks of the old nature. These are things that we have the proclivity to do. And not just in our old self, but that old nature that still wants to kind of have its way and get its hooks in us. That old nature is still wrestling with us to try to have its way. Now we have a new nature and we have the Holy Spirit empowering us to live out that new nature as we saw in 1 Peter 1 verse 2 where there's the sanctification of the Spirit, the Spirit's at work to to continue to cleanse us and and lead us into holiness. But these things are still there and that's why we have to purposefully take action to say, I need to lay them aside. Why? Because we're called to love one another. And these are things that are going to get in the way of us loving one another. So Peter dresses these things here. Malice, that's why this is the list. This isn't an exhaustive list of sins that when you lay aside, like you don't look at that and go, oh man, I'm sure glad he didn't put like, you know, anger or some of these other sins. I'm sure so glad those aren't up there. No, this isn't an exhaustive list. Peter says, these are things, because if I look on this room, I mean, I can name a number of sins that aren't on this list. No, I'm just teasing. I wouldn't do that. I'm messing with you, but... Peter's saying these are the areas that are getting in the way of our relationships with other people. Let's break this down a little bit. Look at what malice is here. Malice now. Malice, that's speaking of ill will. 
Now, the Bible talks about different terms of, of anger that we can have. There's different, there's different, you know, Greek words used for anger where there's some, like, kind of explosive, like, just boiling over anger. It just, like, is a wrath. Like, blah! you just, like, you're just angry. But this malice is something that's kind of just burning inside, in a sense, right? It's like a, a slow burn, but it leads you to just have that deep-seated anger or bitterness towards another person where you're kind of wishing something bad to happen to them. Or it's this idea where you're just kind of like stewing and wanting revenge against somebody, right? It's like if you found out this person that you're just like, no, not happy with, found out their house is burning, it's on fire, and you show up with marshmallows and chocolate to make some s'mores, that's kind of like malice, right? Now, and then it goes even, if you're the one that actually, you know, lit their house on fire so you can go and make s'mores, that's even more malicious, right? That's kind of what we're talking about here in this word malice. And then Peter uses that word deceit here. So we've got malice, we've got deceit, we've got a mess on the screen that you probably can't make sense of anything on there, but that's fine, okay? So deceit. Now, deceit is, again, something that is in, in regards to what we do with other people where we're looking to trick them and deceive them to their detriment and to our advantage. So we're doing something to hurt others for our betterment. That's what Peter uses as that word, deceit. And then he brings up hypocrisy. Now, now we're no strangers to this idea of hypocrisy because we see that so often in the Bible. In fact, there's a lot of people that love to use this hypocrisy as a means to say, that's why I don't go to church. Because the church is filled with a bunch of hypocrites, right? You ever heard that? And, and then you just say, you know, we can always use another, so why don't you come along anyways, right? <laughs> now, there's a difference because a lot of people, what they see is they see Christians that sometimes mess up, falter and fall. Now, that's different than a hypocrite. Because, again, we all have that procliv- proclivity to sin and, and to messing up. That's not being a hypocrite. A hypocrite is a person that purposefully kind of says, this is who I am, but has no intention of doing that. And it came from that area of really kind of acting that term um, hypocrite. It was someone who pretended to be someone they weren't. It's a term used for an actor. It's like where they put on, in, in this day, the place they do, they'd put on a mask and say, here's who I am now. I'm putting on a mask. And that's what a hypocrite does. A hypocrite says, this is who I'm presenting to you, but this is not at all who I am or I'm even trying to be. And it's interesting because Peter uses the, the plural term of the Greek word. So in a sense, he's saying, put away all hypocrisies. Not just one act, but hypocrisies. These, these things that we can, again, be doing if we're not careful. Now, the, it's interesting that word hypocrisy is kind of like the opposite of the word Sincere, in, in verse 22 of chapter 1, when, when Peter talks about having that sincere love of the brethren, that's what he means, is, is to do so without hypocrisy, not being fake or phony, all right? So this is like the opposite of that which is sincere. So a person can be a hypocrite through, um, let's see here, there we go. We talk about hypocrisies, plural, well, a person can be a hypocrite when he acts as though he loves and believes God, but he does not live like God tells him to live. When he pretends to be following God, but he's living like he wants to live. When he shows a concern for the things of God, but his real concern is for the things of the world. Or when he professes to believe God's word, but he questions it and adds or takes away from it. Or when he acts as though he cares for people, but he's really full of selfishness, self-seeking, possessiveness, 
hoarding, envy, and pride. Or when he courts friends, but he's after something. When he acts friendly, but he could care less. When he promises, but he never intends to keep his promise. These are all ways that we can be walking in hypocrisy. Very subtly. Areas that we think, oh, I would never do that. And yet, we can certainly be, be prone to these things. And then... Peter brings out, let's bring up a fresh side here. So we've looked at malice, we looked at deceit here, hypocrisy, all things that we're to be laying aside here, right? And then he brings up envy. Now, envy is, again, something we can get confused over. What's, what's the difference between envy and jealousy? Well, it really becomes different in the area of who's possessing it. Now, envy is something that I'm going to look towards somebody else and go, I want what they have. Jealousy is more about kind of that idea biblically is protecting what you have, being jealous over it. But envy is looking at somebody else. Now, Vine defines it as the feeling of displeasure produced by observing or hearing of the advantage or prosperity of others. Now, Matthew chapter 27, verse 18 tells us that it was envy that caused the chief priest to hand Jesus over to Pilate. They were so motivated by envy. They were upset over who Jesus was and who they were not. That they handed him over because of envy. Now again, that word is used in the plural. So we've got, we've got hypocrisy. We've got envy in the plural here. Um, and so again, a number of ways that we can be envious here. We can be envious of money or possessions or social status or looks different possessions, popularity, clothes, all things that we can look at others and go, man, I want that. And when we begin to look at others in the sense of going, I don't have that, I want that, man, it's going gonna, it's gonna to leave you just empty, envious, unsatisfied. That's not what the Lord has for us. And it begins to hurt our relationships with other people. And then Peter next brings up evil speaking here. Now, that would refer to, again, not just swearing, cursing. It, it would be more, again, about what's hurtful to others, things like slander, gossip, speaking things that are, are hurtful or, or, again, in a way that's putting other people down. So, again, Peter says, you need to lay aside these things because they're going to hurt you in that idea of, again, like we saw from last chapter, where he's tying in this word, therefore, it's going to hurt us in our loving others. Love another. Love others. There's an R on there. Loving one another. It's going to hurt us in that. That's why he brings these things up. And these are not marks of the life that's born again. Born according to the word of God. So put aside all these things. Now, again, it's not enough just to come and say, okay, I'm going to put these things aside. I'm going to really try hard now not to do these things. Where you're living each day now just going, okay, don't do this, don't do that. I've got to be careful. It's not enough just to say, I'm going to lay these things aside. No, we need to have action where we're replacing those things with that which is wholesome and pure. That which is good. Saying, I'm not just going to lay aside the bad. I want to replace it with that which is healthy and good for me. So where does Peter take us now? Well, he says here, as newborn babes, notice this, desire the pure milk of the word. That's what we need to do to replace 
all these things now that are a mark of the old life and replace it with that which is a mark of the new life, the born again life, the life that is living for God according to his word, we replace it with this, that is good. Again, that's the link here to us being born again. We're like newborn babes now, right? That's what I mean, we're, we're born again. It's like Benjamin Button, we kind of go backwards now, we get to be babies again, babies in Christ. We're newborn babes. And as any of you parents know, right, when you have a newborn, and we got some newborns here, which I'm just so excited about. I love seeing all the newborns around here. We need more. You young families, get busy, okay? Just a little exhortation to you. Um, and don't stop at like two or three. That's so boring. Just four, five, six, ten. It doesn't matter. We're, we're here to support you. In, in prayer, of course. Um, but... You see, as you new parents or parents of newborns know, when those babies are hungry, they're going to let you know, right? They're, they're going to let you know they're going to start screaming, they're going to start wailing, crying, and it's all because they have a desire to be fed. A desire to be fed. And that's almost a picture Peter's painting for us here. He says this desire, which is really like having a craving. How many people have had cravings before? Let me write that down. Cravings? Yeah? And it's like, yeah, there you go. All right. Natasha's like, mm-hmm. I sure have. Yes, recently, definitely. And, and so these cravings, this is this idea of having this strong craving where you just have this real pull to go, I want more of the word. I want to have a desire for the word. I got such a craving for it. Just like a child, a baby that's hungry, and they're going to let you know. Now, this isn't the idea like where you start screaming and clamoring like a spoiled child when, no, this is the idea of Peter saying there should be this craving, a real hunger for the word of God. And it's only through the word of God that we're going to find that nourishment and sustenance that is going to sustain us now. As newborn babes, as those that are born again, where we've laid aside the old, we're taking on the new, this is the way that we're going to now begin to develop in these things is through the word of God. Now, it's interesting that Peter uses this word pure. I like that. He uses this word right there, pure. Now, what's interesting about that is that word for deceit up here is the Greek word dolos. Let me write that down. You see that? Dolos? It, that doesn't look like dolos, but... Okay, look, at, look what I can do. I'm going to erase that. Isn't that great? Do over. Dolos. It's not any better, but there you go. Dolos. And so that word for pure is the Greek word adolos, which simply in the Greek, when you put an A there, it's bringing the opposite, the negative of that. So what Peter's saying, desire the undeceitful, unadulterated, completely pure, able to build you up, never to let you down, word of God. This is what Peter's saying. Desire the adolos, the pure, there's no deceit in it. There's nothing that's going to lead you astray. There's nothing that's going to let you down in the word of God. It's completely pure. There's no deceit found in there. And, and how the world loves to say, well, you know, it's just written by humans. Did you know that? And we can't really trust it because we can't really trust everybody. And there's a lot of errors. There's a lot of contradictions in the word of God. You hear people? And then you ask them, can you show me one of those contradictions? Well, I don't know where they are. I just heard that there is. And so, and I shouldn't be mocking people talking like that, but I don't really mock. I'm not mocking them. 
I'm just... Forgive me, but but it's true. You hear it all the time. People love to try to put down the word, discredit the word. But you know, Peter says, it's the pure word of God. There's no deceit found in it. It's completely reliable, dependable. It'll never let you down. And, And so like babies, when they're hungry, we need to be desiring it. Now, here's the thing. When, when a baby's hungry, right? You don't go, oh man, this baby needs some food. I'm going to cut up a nice New York sirloin for this child, man. I'm going to shove that down. If you were to do that, Natasha, you ever tried giving some steak to... No, not going to work. Daniel, on the, on the other hand, yeah, you know, he'll take it, right? Now, here's the thing. So you don't give that child something that you think would be good. You give the child what it needs, right? And what's amazing is that God has designed the female body to produce everything that child needs right within their own body and to give what this child needs. To sustain this child, this child doesn't need anything else. It's all right there within the mom. That's amazing. And I'm so glad he didn't do that for us dads. (laughs) That's one of the, part of the curse, ladies. I'm sorry. It's just the way it goes. But, but here's the thing, is, is Peter says, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, everything we need is found right here in the word of God. Just like for those babies, where they give that milk that God provides just naturally, it's so incredible. They get all their essential building blocks, nutrients like calcium, uh, vitamin D, potassium, magnesium, vitamin A, all from it. And so Peter's saying, everything you need is going to be found right here in the word of God. It's got everything we need for life and godliness. It's all right here. We don't need to go elsewhere. We don't need to look for, well, I'm just, I, I just need to have a, just kind of a, a fresh spiritual encounter or I need to have some revelation or I need to see some vision of God. I need to encounter this or have that. We don't need to do that. We just need to say, I need to pick up the word of God because everything that I need to grow is found right here in God's word. It's the word that provides all the nutrients that's required for our growth. It's not in doing anything else. Having some experience, some encounter. It's right there in the word of God. It's how we grow in respect to salvation. I love that. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says that all, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's all right there. It gives us everything we need. Now what... What gets in the way of that desire for the word of God? What gets in the way of that desire for the word of God? Well, it's when we begin to fill ourselves with other stuff, right? Watching a little bit extra Netflix. Maybe hanging out, watching some sports. Surfing on Facebook. All these things can, hey, and I, listen, I'm not pointing the finger. I'm talking to me here. These are all things that I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of. But when we continue to feed ourselves a steady diet of stuff that's not ultimately healthy or profitable for us, then it's going to take away our hunger for the Word of God. Case in point, I, I had uh, our, our neighbors, and again, you're going to hear just so many illustrations now because they're just so wonderful, but I had our neighbor kids come over yesterday, last night. They got home, and it's just before dinner time. 
And, and so, and by the way, thank you everybody that's been praying for us kind of getting settled into our home and stuff like that. We've, we've had the last of kind of like our, our different, you know, inspections for different things. And now we're all set up ready for our final inspection, which I hope will happen any day now. And so things are moving along, but we've been in the house enjoying it. And, uh, and so, and you know, our, our neighbors here are, are, are the Dykes. And, and so our neighbor kids, these are Randy's grandkids, they come over. That's just about dinner time. We're, we're still unpacking stuff, so we don't have any dinner going. And they're hanging out. And, and, you know, come to our house, it's like, you know, Hansel and Gretel. There's just like candy and treats everywhere, right? We're a sweet tooth family, all right? And so, of course, you know, we got some bowls on the coffee table of, you know, candy and licorice. And so the kids are like, you know, can I have one of those? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, you're not my kids, so yes, have at it. I mean, we're in training for our own grandkids where we get to feed them what they want and then send them back home. And that's what, what I get to do. And so they're hanging out, you know, and we're having fun with them and they're eating candies and stuff. And then, you know, and then they wanted some more stuff. And so we gave them some Fruit Loops, right? I, I didn't. My wife did. I probably wouldn't have gone that far, that extreme. But my wife gave them some Fruit Loops, you know. And so, and then I got a text, you know, oh, uh, uh, from their mom, dinner's ready. So send them home. And I'm like, Okay, well, we'll see how that goes. So we send him home. One of them gets home, starts eating, and he vomits. Throws up. Yeah. I mean, it was very colorful vomit after the Fruit Loops. So there's that plus, of course. But I'm like, I have no idea what happened. They just were playing. I don't, that's weird. It must not have been us. Anyway, so, um, so what happens is that when we're feeding ourselves with all this stuff that is not ultimately good or healthy. It, it ruins our appetite. It takes away from that pure milk of the word. Listen to what, what Kenneth Wuist says. He says this, The prerequisite to the act of intensely yearning for the word of God is the act of once for all putting sin out of our lives. Sin in the life destroys the appetite for the word. The Christian who tries to find satisfaction in the husks of the world has no appetite left for the things of God. His heart is filled with the former and has no room for the latter. A healthy infant is a hungry infant. A spiritually healthy Christian is a hungry Christian. This solves the problem of why so many children of God have so little love for the word. I like that. He says a spiritually healthy Christian is a hungry Christian. And I might say, let me twist that around and say, a spiritually hungry Christian is a healthy Christian. Christian are we hungering for the word of God because that's the way that we grow now some translations I'm I'm using the new King James version but if you're using a different translation of the Bible it most likely will say it's how we grow into salvation now that right there might make cause or cause people to think oh you mean I'm not truly fully saved yet that I got to grow into I got to work for it that's not what Peter's meaning here no in fact he's kind of saying that when we grow into salvation, it's like, this is how we continue to develop and progress into the people that God wants us to be. Because our salvation is a progression in a sense. Listen, you're saved when you put your, your faith in Jesus and you accept him as your Lord and Savior. You repent of your sin and you turn from him and you turn to Christ. When that happens, you're saved. But we're continuing to grow and, and progress. So much so like what Peter says in, in, in 1 Peter 1 verse 5, where he talks about how, how God's preparing a, an in, eternal inheritance for us in heaven, reserved in heaven for us. But then it also says in verse 5 that we're kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time or in the last time. 
So it's ready to be revealed in the last time. That's salvation. In other words, that salvation fully gets, you know, culminated or, or realized when we're with Jesus face to face. Because as 1 John 3 tells us that when we see him, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. That's when our salvation is like, oh man, all of this has just been worth it. But you're saved now by faith in Jesus. So this is not what Peter's talking about, how you grow in salvation. It's how you grow to continue to progress in this journey and walk with the Lord. Now, the, these are verses in God's word that, there, there are verses in God's word that like to kind of compare, you know, the milk of the word with the meat of the word. And the milk of the word is just for those that are kind of elementary and we need to progress. Now, I think there's truth to that. You know, we want to be progressing past John 3.16 and, you know, and Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. We want to be growing into greater truths and doctrines and understanding of God's word. But understand, Peter's not using this terminology in that way. For instance, look at what, what um, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 to 13 says. Let's see if I can find that. It says, this, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Paul also alludes to that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verse 2, when he talks about the, the Corinthian church being carnal, that they're still just needing milk. <clears throat> but again, let me, let me just clarify this for you. Peter's not using this this way to say, this is just, you know, for babes. What Peter's implying is that we need to continue to, continue to live as babes in Christ who have such an insatiable hunger for the pure milk of the word and a craving for that which is going to give us the nourishment that we need this is what peter's getting at here by by using this term that we're to continue each day of our lives as newborn babes who hunger and crave the pure milk of the word that's how how we're going to grow now remember we looked at this uh, a few weeks ago this growth chart here and that's essentially what we want to be seeing happening in our lives here where we want to be growing as you know from infants spiritual infants to becoming spiritual children but spiritual children still have room to grow because they're still very self-focused but as you continue to grow and develop well soon you become spiritually young adult where you're a little bit more kingdom focused and then you become a spiritual parent where you have the joy of coming alongside others and making disciples. And then even from there, you get to progress even more in your walk with the Lord and in your faith by becoming spiritual elders where now you're not just making disciples, but you're making disciples that make disciples. Spiritual grandparents in a sense. This is the progression that we get to be on in our journey with the Lord. But in every place of that, you're still living as like, man, I'm just... I've, I've been born again. I'm just like a, a, a newborn babe in Christ where I just, I just have a, a desire for just the pure milk of the word. We, we never leave that place. It's different than being a spiritual infant. No, we're talking about just being that, that born again child here that has a desire for the milk of the word. Now, a lot of people like to kind of look at the word of God like they... They would a, a menu, perhaps, in a restaurant. Now, if you were to walk into a restaurant, you get seated at a table, menu's handed to you, and you start looking at that menu. You're looking over all the different meals and choices. You got some pictures in that menu where you're like, man, that looks so good. 
Oh, man, that's, whoa, look at that one. That is incredible. Man, that's good. Good prices. Man, I love this. And you were to fold that menu up and walk out of the restaurant going, man, that was great. You'd be like, what? Hold on, you're missing it. That menu is there to lead you to something better than what you just see in the menu. You see, here's the thing, everybody. A lot of people will handle the word of God like they handle that menu. Or if they were to walk out of that restaurant afterwards. In other words, the word of God sometimes for people just becomes the end in itself. It's like, I just got to read the word. I just got to have my daily time in the word. And, and it becomes kind of duty or obligation for them. Can I just say that reading the word of God is not the end in itself. It is the means to the end. It is so that we can encounter Jesus Christ. It's so that we can grow in Jesus, so that we can know Jesus. It's so that we can understand his greatness and goodness and his love. It's to cause us to see Jesus and grow in Jesus and just have a greater love for Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? Our time here on Sundays, I love our times here. And I love being a part of a church that emphasizes the teaching of God's word. But this right here is not the end in itself. If I just walk out here every Sunday going, well, we read some scriptures, that's great. I'm sad. No, I don't want to be satisfied with that. I want to see people reading the word, but so that it can point them further to Jesus and living their life in a greater way in Christ. It is the means to an end. Are you, are you with me, everybody? Are you tracking with me today? You still here? Okay. That's the point of it. And, and Peter gives us that idea next here. Look at what he says here. As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have, noticed that, tasted. Mm. That menu profits you nothing if you don't order the stinking meal and eat it. The word of God is not going to mean a whole lot unless you begin to allow the word of God in and you begin to experience it and taste of it. And not just taste of the word, but that you taste that the Lord is gracious. That's what the word does. The word of God begins to point us to Jesus and to the goodness of God, the love of God, the grace of God. And Peter isn't saying here, he's not saying if, if by chance. No, what he's saying is basically since since you have tasted of the word of God here. And, and, he's, and he's pulling from terminology from the Old Testament. Psalm chapter 34, verse 8, that says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. So what Peter's saying is, since you have tasted that the Lord is good, and, and since you have tasted the Lord is good, then basically he's tying it back to desire. The pure milk of the word. Since you've tasted that the Lord is good, keep desiring the pure milk of the word of God. Because it's the word of God that's going to nourish you and feed you. It's the word of God that's going to strengthen you. It's the word of God that is going to do this, grow you. And that's what we're all about, isn't it? That's kind of been our whole theme at Riverside here. Forward motion. Follow me. All taken from that end of John study in John 21. 
how we want to be developing, growing, being disciples. Being a disciple is being that student, a learner, where you're continuing to grow. None of us sitting here can say, oh man, I've been a Christian all my life and it's basically nothing I can grow in any longer. I know it all. Nobody can say that. Because the word of God is that incorruptible seed that just keeps producing life, more life, greater life, newness of life. It's, it's inexhaustible. It's so good. And I pray that you're having that love and desire for the word of God. Because it's that which is going to enable us to grow in Christ. So may you be tasting. I love that. I love how Peter says that. Maybe tasting and experiencing the grace and goodness of God. We've been encouraging people, man, have that daily quiet time. Have that time where you get into the word of God. But it's not just so that you can say, oh, I've done my quiet time today. I've been in the word of God. The whole purpose is so that you can not just get into the word of God, but get the word of God, what? Into you. So that you can taste and see and experience the goodness and the grace of God. That's going to, that's going to cause you to continue to grow in him with an excitement and a passion, with a craving to say, I want more of this. It's so good. I mean, how many people have picked up a book where it's like, I can't put it down. It's so good. And the word of God is that for us. Where it should be, I, I can't put it down. It's so good. Because it continued just to feed us and strengthen us and nourish us. That's what Peter's saying. We do all that. In order to do all that, I should say, again, what do we need to do? We need to lay aside. Sorry, that was bad. I scribbled it out. We need to lay aside all these things here that are going to hinder our growth, that are going to hinder our relationships with people, that are going to hinder our, our, our walk with the Lord. Lay aside those things and begin to just have that desire that desire for the pure milk of the word. Man, maybe you don't have that right now. Maybe you've been feasting on other stuff and your appetite for the word has just diminished. And pray right now, today. Pray that the, the Lord begins to just, again, give you a passion and a hunger for the word. Maybe there's things today that you need to say, I need to lay aside these things here. There are things in my life that I've been holding on to that have been getting in the way of my appetite for the word that I need to today make a decision and take action and say, I'm putting it away. I'm not going to go home and watch Netflix tonight. I'm going to read the word. I'm going to fast from Facebook for a couple of days so that I have time to be in the word. Maybe there's things that you need to lay aside right now. But pray. And healthy Christians are going to be hungry Christians. Hungry Christians are going to be healthy Christians. So pray for that passion and hunger and craving for the word of God. Take time this week to taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. and We'll take some time here today just to wait on the Lord and take these these things to prayer before the Lord, to seek the Lord. And we'll have our prayer teams available in the front and, and we'd love to pray with you. Maybe there's things that you're saying, man, I'm struggling in this area. You know, the reason we have people up here to pray with you 
we know that you can pray these things for yourself, but there's something that I believe the Lord does when we take that step to say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna seek, I'm gonna come out of my comfort zone and I'm gonna come and ask for prayer with somebody and I'm gonna unite together with the body of Christ. I think there's a dynamic at work that, that God just loves to answer that prayer when we take that step to say, I mean business here. And that's why we have people available to pray with you. We know you can do it yourself. And God hears you. But there's something that happens when we join together. When we confess these things, when we seek that help and support from one another, something that happens that I think strengthens us. And God just loves to respond to that. And so I love people to pray for you. Maybe there's areas in your life here that you need to say, I just need to surrender that. I need to, I need to pray. I need to, I need to lay that down before the Lord. Would you, would you just pray with me in that? And maybe you're here today and you've never tasted that the Lord is good. Maybe you're here today and you don't even know, as we talked about being born again, you don't even know what that means. Well, well Jesus says, unless a person is born again, they cannot receive eternal life. There's no access to heaven unless you're born again. Because we can't do it ourselves. We can't be a good enough person. We need a supernatural work that the Lord does. That's what it means to be born again. He gives us His life. He, he takes all of our sin and He gives us His life. We become new in Him. And that comes about by simply acknowledging your sin and saying, Jesus, I need you to forgive me. I'm putting my trust in you. When you do that, you become born again. You become a part of the family of God. And we're going to talk about that next week, being part of the family of God, because now we pick it up in verse 4, it just keeps getting better here in First Peter 2. But you become a part of the family of God, a child of God. It's what God desires for you. He loves you. He sent His Son, Jesus, to die on a cross to forgive you your sin, that you might have life in Him and a relationship with Him, so that you can indeed look into the Word of God and begin to see, oh man, God is so good. I've tasted and I've seen the grace and the goodness of God. If that's you today and you haven't experienced that, would you just call it to the Lord? That's all you have to do. And say, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I'm in need of saving. Come in in my life and, and make me new. Cause me to be a child of God. And he answers that prayer. Not through what you do, but it's through your faith in Jesus who's done it all for you. That's grace. Taste and see. Let's stand together. Let me pray. Lord God, we thank you for our time together and for this word. And we thank you that your word is that pure milk that will never let us down, never deceive us, never lead us astray, Lord. It's good. It's profitable. It's what nourishes us and sustains us. And Lord, we, we are sorry for the things that we let into our lives that rob us of our appetite for the word. And I pray that today here, God, you would help us to say no more. We want to lay aside these things so that it's the word of God that we're taking in as a steady diet that will grow us and nourish us and strengthen us in you. So we commit this to you, Jesus. Lead us by your spirit and help us in that. We ask in your name. Amen. Amen.